VGMP. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of VGMP, the video game movie podcast, with your two hosts, Rory Jocelyn. Hello. And me, Jamie Evans. Today is a bit of a weird episode today. A bit, bit different, bit out of the ordinary, because we're not actually talking about a specific film today, or series, or whatever. Instead, we thought we'd do a little episode answering some questions that we've received from you, our lovely fans, who have written into us via Twitter and email and Facebook messages and things lovely like that. Lovely girls. Hmm? Lovely girls. Two of these people are girls. Hey, lovely girls. Wait, is it two? Well, no, that's me being a... Actually, no, that's me being unwoke. Two of them have traditionally female names, but these days girls can be called Michael, so... That's true. Star Trek Discovery! Where we discover people have the wrong names. (sighs) (laughs) So, I think we're just going to roll right into this, eh, Rory? Yeah, go ahead. Um... So our first question comes to us from Newcastle. Ooh. Jack in Newcastle wants to know, what is our earliest gaming memories? Ooh. I think I've told mine before, but I'm happy to tell it again. No, go ahead. Uh, so I was about five years old, maybe four, but I think I was about five, and uh, never even heard of a video game before in my entire life. And then one day my dad came home with a Sega Mega Drive. In a box with a, a cartridge that had six games on it. They were Sega Soccer, Monaco GP, I think it was called, Columns, Streets of Rage, Sonic the Hedgehog. I feel like oh, and Revenge of Shinobi oh, there you go. was the other one. I, I always I always mix up whether it was Shinobi or Golden Axe. It was definitely Revenge of Shinobi, and I had Golden Axe separately. And um. I played Sonic the Sonic the Hedgehog just caught my attention. I was like, li- literally, there was no box art on this. It just said the number six on it and the titles. Yeah. And then you stuck it in and the games came up as like little screenshots. And I was just like, hedgehogs are cool. Let's see what Mr. Uh, Needlemouse has to say. Yeah. So I played Sonic the Hedgehog. Loved it. Loved it so much, actually, that not long after that, I got a pet bird, you know. My bird. What's that got to do with Sonic? Well, I named the bird Sonic because it was a cockatiel. Uh, So it had like a mohawk of feathers. Was it blue? No, it was green and grey. Cockatiels are those ones that have got like green heads with red rosy cheeks. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, But because he had this little like mohawk almost of feathers, I called him Sonic. Sonic the bird. Loved it, absolutely loved that game. That is back, that is old enough that my parents played it a little bit as well. Uh, My mum played Columns, she was quite particular to Columns. And my dad used to play Golden Axe, Streets of Rage and Revenge of Shinobi. And he had to stop playing games because my dad doesn't handle losing very well. And he actually broke my first Sega Mega Drive because Deathbringer kept killing him in Golden Axe, and uh, he lost his rag and <laughs> smashed the fuck out of the Mega Drive. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, not known for having his temper under control. Uh, but that that was, I mean, Sonic just gripped me from the start. It took me ages to complete it. Yeah, like, yeah. I reckon I probably owned it a full year before I finished it. Well, yeah, because um, certainly when you're young as well, new skills like that take yeah, forever to cultivate. Mate, 
I've played Green Hill Zone so many times, I'm fairly confident I could play Green Hill Zone in my sleep at this point. Probably have. Uh, probably no, have. You. Probably have. <laughs> um, I remember my best memory with Sonic 1 is I remember the... Ex- so the bit I got stuck at for a very long time was Spring Yard Zone. I couldn't get past Act 3 of Spring Yard Zone. Right. And I remember the night I finally got past it to Labyrinth Zone and saw what was on the other side. And um, it was basically, it was one of those, I, I couldn't sleep one night. Yeah. And my dad let me get get up and sit in the dining room playing the Mega Drive. And I, I just did it. I guess I'd just done it often enough that I did it. Got to Labyrinth Zone, died almost immediately, uh, but couldn't believe it. And I remember the next morning going to Jody and John, uh, my brother and sister, and just being like, the next level's a water level and you can drown. <laughs> um, and I had this friend at school. He's not a friend anymore. We actually fell out while we were still at school. And I'll never forget him turning around to me and being like, you've still not beaten Sonic the Hedgehog. I beat Sonic the Hedgehog ages ago. Turned out he'd used the fucking level select cheat to skip oh. to final zone. Like, oh fuck you. Yeah. But fuck yeah, that I, guy. and then I, I never forget finishing it and you get that sc- I didn't get all the emeralds. So you get that screen, don't you, where Eggman's juggling the emeralds and it says try again. And I was like, you smug son of a bitch. <laughs> but yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog's where it all started. And then Golden Axe and Streets of Rage, which are both games I still love. Revenge of Shinobi, I've got a lot of fond memories for, but I find that when I try and play it, I I can't play it anymore. (laughs) I I, I loved it as a kid. Um, I mean, that's a fucking LSD fever dream of a game, Revenge of Shinobi. You play as a ninja who fights the Terminator at one point, Spider-Man, Batman... Batman turns into Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, it does, yeah. Godzilla's in one version, but not in the version I had. The version I had had a skeleton T-Rex in it. You find yeah. a brain in a jar. Yeah, it was kind of a fever dream, uh, Revenge of Shinobi, and there was multiple yeah. versions to get around copyright problems. Yeah, but yeah, that was me. How about you? You must have been similar, right? It must have been Sega was your first. It was. Um, it was Sonic as well, but it was Sonic on the Master System. Oh, you poor son of a bitch. Uh, it must have been 91, maybe... Mm. Yeah, it must have been 91, maybe very early 92, but I'm fairly certain it was late 91. My brother had gone to his friend's house and had played his Mega Drive and Sonic 1, so begged my parents to get us a Mega Drive, to get us a Sega, which in America would have worked, because obviously in America they didn't really know the mouse system and they just called the Mega Drive the Sega. Yeah. But in the UK... There was more than one of the Sega. Oh, and they got the wrong one. They got the Master System. Oh. So it wasn't until Sonic 2 came out that we got the Mega Drive. We traded in for the Mega Drive. But, yeah, so the first was Sonic the Hedgehog 1 on the Master System, because it was the built-in game on the Master System 2 body that we had. We didn't have the original version. We had the uh, Master System 2. And, yeah, I, I'll be honest, what an awakening game that was. Soundtrack by Yuzo Koshiro, one of the legends of the industry, who also did Streets of Rage. Um, probably why I somewhat prefer the soundtrack to the Mars System one to the Mega Drive one, if I'm being Heresy. honest. Heresy. I know. But, unfortunately, I heard the tones of Yuzo Koshiro before Masato Nakamura. So... So, did the Master System one come out first? No. Right, going to say, because in my head, the story was always that... 
the gen the Sega Mega Drive version of Sonic One. That was the that first was like them. the game that saved Sega. Kind is of, my it narrative. Was, it wasn't didn't save Sega, but it's the one that it launched them into the stratosphere. The Mega Drive was already doing well, right? Okay, um, but it really kicked like the so, Sonic is the reason it became. It's a why they beat name. Nintendo for a little while. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was purely Sonic. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Sonic had appeared in a couple of games prior though. Um, one arcade game and an Amiga game. Weirdly enough, right. there was a knockoff of Sonic in the Amiga game. Right. Played Enduro Racer as well on the Master System, which was weirdly enough, it was the uh, the European version because that was the main version that we have in this country. We have the PAL versions, but what's weird about Enduro Racer I didn't know until later is the Japanese version has double the number of levels and artwork and. Uh, actually has different music as well. Okay. Whereas the European uh, version only has one track. Like right. One music track and I think three, maybe four levels. And which version did you have? I had the European one. So right, I was going to say. But I was going to say, how did you get hold of the Japanese one? So the Japanese one now obviously play quite a bit. It's uh, You can play the Japanese one on... Uh, there's a Sega series called Like a Dragon. There's a spin-off called Lost Judgment. So there's Judgment, which I haven't played, and then there's Lost Judgment. And in Lost Judgment, there's a Master System. It's also in Like a Dragon Gaiden. Okay. Uh, so you can play different Master System games. Games within games. Yeah. Uh, and you can set them to being either the European or yeah. worldwide versions, quote-unquote. I, I saw the And the, the Japanese ones. Speaking, very quickly, speaking of games within games, sure. uh, someone's gotten Doom to run inside Minecraft, apparently. <laughs> oh, so you can, now, you can now play Doom in Minecraft. That's so weird. Um, but yeah, so basically that's that was my first memories, was the Mars system. The other, only other game that I have massive memories of, obviously I've played a lot more than just these three, but the three I have most memories of is Sonic the Hedgehog 1, Enduro Racer, and uh, the third one was Donald Duck's Lucky Dime Caper. Oh, okay. Um, and I hasten to add that the Mars system version of all these games is better than the Game Gear ones. Right. Because they're actually full screen, and Sonic 2 has better level design. It's just better. You can see what the fuck's going on. Right. The Game Gear 1 is unfairly cheap. But for some reason, they never package the Master System version, do they? No, they don't. Maybe they lost it. (laughs) I don't know. I always just find it weird, right? Because they've done it a few times since... Mega Collection, Gems Collection. They've thrown the Game Gear versions of them in, and I think it's because there's more Game Gear Sonic games than than there are Master System ones. But the Master System has five. Right. Um, which is Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Sonic Chaos, mm. which is known as Sonic and Tails in Japan, uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, and Sonic Spinball. All of which they always package the Game Gear versions of. Yeah. Uh, Except Spinball. Spinball is always the Genesis version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, didn't realise it. I didn't realise Spinball had come out on anything else. What's weird about Sonic Spinball on the Mars system is the artwork is identical to the Mega Drive one, except... The artwork, the, the actual art style of both Robotnik and Sonic. Mm. So the one that we that most people are aware of, the Sonic Spinball, the artwork on the cover is the American-style Sonic. And the way you can tell is Sonic's got a circular head and his top spike sort of comes out like a bump mm. from the top, from the, like halfway up his forehead. Uh, whereas the Japanese and European Sonic generally had a circular head and the spike is part of the circle shape of the head. Like a xenomorph. Yeah, so it goes back into a spike, whereas the American one, it goes up and then bumps up into a spike. Um, Even in Europe, Sonic Spinball's artwork 
had the American Sonic and the American Robotnik. Right. Which was, uh, you know, the style of artwork that they'd used on all of the American box arts up to that point. The Europe, uh, the Master System version of Sonic Spinball has the Japanese Sonic, same pose, everything else, but his head shape is completely different. Right. And the Robotnik in the image is Robotnik from Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. The black-eyed so- uh, yeah. Robotnik. I always thought it was weird that the Sonic 2 covers got black-eyed Robotnik on it. Yeah. But with no pupils, isn't it? It's just bl- hollow, dead yeah. black eyes. I remember as a kid getting that and being like, what? It's really good artwork. I really like the artwork. I've got... um, I, There's a 1993 Sonic calendar that... Yes, you've told this yeah, story. I've converted it into a series of framed, art, framed artworks. And I tell you what, that, that artwork really does hold up. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and it's all self-framed as well. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. Nice. Uh, well, thank you very much, Jack from Newcastle. Um, why don't you email us again and tell us what your earliest gaming memory is? Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Mark in Essex. He hasn't said we're in Essex, just Essex. Mark. Uh, he'd like to know what our favourite movie we've reviewed on VGMP so far is. Oh, favourite VGMP movie? You go first. Oh. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go Black Heaven. Yeah. It was definitely my biggest surprise. Mm. Um, I mean, I've, there's a few I've really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph. I really enjoyed Silent Hill, but I've known for years I liked Silent Hill. Uh, Fatal Frame, but I, I keep thinking about Black Heaven. Yeah. Um, and I'd quite like to watch Black Heaven again at some point. Yeah. Um, Black Heaven is definitely the biggest surprise I think we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest though, Fatal Frame was also a surprise. Yeah. Um, though, as we heard from a previous email, uh, we are pretentious for liking both of those films. Yes. Not enough explosions. Not enough explosions or Call of Duty. Um, we enough Call of Duty's never had a movie. Maybe they can do a um, they can do an American remake of Black Heaven directed by Michael Bay. There you go. Megan Fox or Bay Heaven girl in it. Um, <laughs> Uh, as for me, I'd... definitely the biggest positive surprise was Black Heaven. Mm. I still, like like yourself, I have a lot of positives to say about that film. However, in terms of what I will watch frequently, go back to more, one that just sticks with me and I'm always in the mood to watch it, Need for Speed. Yeah. I Yeah, I know it's a really odd choice. A lot of people don't like Need for Speed. Mm. And weirdly enough, most of their issues I understand. You know, why would a rich multi-millionaire give a one-off Ford Shelby Mustang to a guy who's literally just got out of prison on a whim and a prayer to to win a race to win loads of other cars that are all destroyed during the course of the race? Um, Are we supposed to believe that that's never happened before? And that guy was like, oh, all the cars always survive the race, yet... On this particular race, everyone dies. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so yeah, it is a bit stupid. But I, t- I don't know why the emotion always gets me. I'm always in the mood for it. It's a hell of a lot of fun. I love all the performances to the point where all of those, honestly, for me, minor inconveniences don't really don't bother me. Yeah, I, I can just enjoy that film every for time I watch is. it. Yeah. Whereas something like Black Heaven. As much as I really love it and really want to watch it again, it's not something I could watch over and it's over It's not something you just stick on, is it? Yeah, there's never going to be a point where like, I need to be cheered up. Yeah. Let's watch Black Heaven. Oh, I've had a shit tiring day at work. I want to relax. Yeah, yeah it's, the same re- it's the same reason I like the second Thor movie. The second Thor movie is dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah. It's 
really stupid. It's not very good. But when I'm tired and I just want something I can laugh at mindlessly, yeah, I quite often go to Thor The Dark World. Yeah. Our next question comes from Becky in London. Oh, hello, Becky. Um, what is the absolute worst movie we've ever seen on the show? You can see why I put these two together. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I why don't you go first? Because I think I know what you're going to go with. I don't. And I'll tell you why. Oh. There are th- There are two films that are so bad that I actually can't remember which one is which. Oh, no, the two you're going to say. And that's Gamebox yep. 1.0. Yep, that's right. And Video Game Earth Force. Yes. Now, I know Video Game Earth Force has Bob Rue in it. Yep. And I know Gamebox has Harvey from Sabrina the Teenage Witch in it. That's correct. But the actual game world bits, I cannot remember which oh, there's a bits. Simp- simple way to remember. If it includes live-action people in the game world, mm. then it's Gamebox 1.0. If it's all CGI Halo-ish nightmare then it's Video Game Earth Force. Which one had the cabin in the woods with all the zombies? That's Gamebox 1.0. And then they climb a mountain, Yep. and the guy who's not Michael Dudikoff is after them. Yes. Or it is Michael Dudikoff. No, it's not Michael Dudikoff. Patrick Kilpatrick. That's it. Cat- Patrick Kilpatrick. The man with the, man with the most uh, suicidal name I've ever heard. Yeah, it's brilliant. Patrick Kilpatrick. <laughs> um, I, I think they were probably the two worst for me. I remember you almost quit over Video Game Earth Force, so yeah. I'm surprised that's not your... Honestly, we, yeah. you nearly quit the fucking yeah. show. It was, it was Watching that was like yeah. torture. <laughs> when I die and go to hell for the many sins I have committed, <laughs> it will be a room where I am forced to watch Video Game Earth Force yeah. See, I, over I, and over again. As much as I know you also like, you know, you have no love whatsoever for Gamebox 1.0, mm. You did not almost quit because mm. of Gamebox 1.0, which leads me to believe that yeah. Game Earth Force is the worse of one. I, I also, just some, like, honourable mentions, I also really disliked Shenmue. Okay. Um, I really disliked X versus Sever. Oh, really? Uh, I thought that one was an average film at best, but... That was the problem. It was so average. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to give offensively bad ones. Vable. Um... Do you know what? Not any of the ones we've watched yet. Yeah. When we get to Alone in the Dark. Alone in the Dark's definitely... Because um, yeah. even Postal, man. Like, I know it's not... Postal was shocking, but you know what? It's I not had fun watching Postal. I had fun watching it with you. Because I wouldn't have fun watching it by myself. Well, I had fun trying to work out how the fuck he got J.K. Simmons to be in the <laughs> movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going to go video... Oh, I tell you what else I really hated was Noobs. Yeah. I hated noobs. The only good thing that came from noobs is our recurring Armageddon joke. Oh, yeah. And even that was me clinging to straws. It was so bad, noobs was. See, I think. The noobs... camera never moves. Like, oh, yeah. It's all fuck? tripod work. Isn't it? I, honestly, I would give noobs props over something like joysticks. Um, I thought it was a better yeah. film. The main character in Noobs just stops being the main character halfway through. Well, they don't know what to do with him. And all their arcs get undone at the end, don't they? It yeah, was, Noobs is bad. a pointless and a shitty film. It's What's weird is all the films you've chosen, and I'm sure this is just because they're all shit films, it's nothing to do with this at all. But ironically, the three you've picked there, they're all films that were, that were given huge amount of sponsorship by Microsoft for Xbox. Because Gamebox 1.0 has the Xbox Live Neon Lights, and it's got like he's playing Xboxes and programs for Xbox exclusively. 
Uh, you've got Video Game Earth Force, which is they're all playing on Xbox, the game of Video, ga- uh, video Game Liberation Force or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all playing on Xboxes, even though the Xbox 360 was already out, so it was already fucking out of date. And noobs actually had Cliff Brzezinski involved in yeah, it. Yeah, have Cliff Brzezinski... Uh, Cliff... Bl- What's his name? Cliff Brzezinski, is it? Something like that. Or Blazinski. Blazinski, that's it. Cliff Blazinski was involved, and also like Xboxes were everywhere. Xbox 360s in this. Uh, just for anyone who doesn't know, Cliff Blazinski is part of Epic Games, isn't he? He's the guy who created Gears of War. Right. Well, the actual creator of it. Yeah. Ooh. Um. And it's yeah. The, that film is chock full of Gears of War references because that's Gears of War three is the tournament oh, they're playing. Oh, two else was shit. That fucking GTA short we watched. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, so I preferred Run the Gauntlet as a short to uh, GTA 2, even though they were very similar, and they were both bad. Uh, but Run the Gauntlet at least had some interesting-looking cinematography. That's the driver one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, In our first Run the Gauntlet episode, my biggest surprise was Far Cry 3. Yeah, yeah. For myself... In terms of shorts, because actually that's a really good... I thought I hadn't thought about the shorts very much. Uh, Mortal Kombat... The Journey Begins. That as a short was way too long to be a short. It was Mm. 40 minutes and it felt like two hours. It was badly animated. Some of the voice actors were good voice actors, but they weren't given any depth to play. Fucking the only good of that as well. It's one of those things where the only good is where we're clinging to straws was Scorpion Ninja behind a box. Being being the worst worst ninja ninja ever, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's the worst short I think we've watched. Uh, As far as features are concerned, see, I'm trying not to be a dickhead, because, like, honestly, you're right, Video Game Earth Force is probably the worst of all of them. Maybe Gamebox 1.0. But I I would... Because for me, they're not in the so bad, they're good category, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And you're right, they're not really that funny or anything to make them rewatchable. I really do have a hatred for Advent Children. But as as a part of me wants to say Advent Children. I really, I don't know why, I just have such a revulsion for it. Because you're a racist. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, You referred to Japan as an uncivilised country once. That's been cut now. Uh, I don't right, I can't change the past. <laughs> we can always change the Actually, past. Actually, you're going to have to... There's one episode where I make a load of Vince McMahon jokes that you're going to have to cut now. As for what's the worst feature length, I for me personally, it would be Advent Children because I really didn't like it. And it angers me how bad it is despite having all the advantages it needed to be a great film. That being said, realistically, the worst film we've watched is Video Game Earth Force. Um, that or Gamebox, but... Video game Earth Force feels longer. I don't know why. And to oh, be fair, I will get... That I, film felt like it never ended. Yeah, and you know what? Gamebox 1.0, for all of its sins, at least attempts to have a moral centre mm-hmm. where the main character is getting over grief. It's badly told. It's not well set up. It's not well paid off. It's not a very good story at all. But you know what? For an independent company that basically seems to have green-screened everyone in their basement, trying to at least tell an emotional story is better than not. Whereas Video Game Earth Force didn't even try with an emotional story. It was, what if the world's wealthiest man in video gaming who doesn't play video games had to play a video game and then it was all fake in the end? Yeah, it was And you're like, so what were the stakes? 
That's the thing, there weren't any. Yeah. It's kind of like noobs. Yeah. There's no stakes because the ending of the film just undoes them all. Yeah, yeah. Because wasn't it, wasn't it like, didn't Video Game Earth Force, wasn't the twist at the end that it was basically the game, but shit? Yes. And the problem with that is the game makes sense because it's tense and there's actual stakes on the line anyway. Like, there's people's money, there's people's pension plans, there's the downfall of, you know, uh, capitalism. There's a lot of those threads running through the game, which is a film called The Game, by the way, for anyone, not not the game of the... The David Fincher film. Yeah. Um, whereas game, uh, whereas video game Earth Force doesn't have that. It's just whether or not this incredibly wealthy, successful businessman feels sad or happier on his birthday. There's n- there's never any stakes where they're going to take over his company or lose people money at the base level. And let's be clear, Bob Roo. <laughs> Bob Roo, who surprisingly has been in other things. Yes, which. I couldn't quite believe. It's. I still stand by the fact that it sounds like a, a child trying to say the word Bovril. Yes. Um. So our next, our next question is from Ali in Brighton. Ali has said, I can't stand that games these days are broken on release and you have to hope the devs will patch it. What are your biggest pet peeves about modern gaming? That's a big one, to that be honest. Is, that is a big the one. fact games don't work when they're releasing mine is life service games. Yeah, I fucking hate. Like, honestly, nothing guarantees I won't buy your game more than if I hear that it's a life service game. It's it's why I've not bought. Um, I was quite interested in the Suicide Squad game that's just come out. Suicide Squad killed the Justice League because right. it's by the makers of the Batman Arkham games, and it's sort of in the same what a shame universe it's not as called, those. Uh, Justice League kill Patrick. Mm. <laughs> But then they announced it was a life service game, so uh, fuck off. I'm yeah. not interested. No, I agree. Uh, whenever they say, whenever they mention anything live servicey or uh, essentially hint at more attempts to buy things, that should be free with the game. Yeah. One of the modern versions of this for me, actually, and it, I'll be honest, just naming the game this feels like it's insulting my intelligence. Is and again, it's a series I love, and I've talked about with great passion on this show. Uh, Yakuza or Like a Dragon. The next one, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, where what they've done as part of it is they've removed certain features like game, New Game Plus yeah. behind a paywall. And you're like, sorry, Sega, is the Infinite Wealth for yourself? Like, yeah. before I could have taken that Infinite Wealth is just a cool, edgy name for the game. But in this era where people are chopping up the game behind infinite numbers of paywalls or subscriptions... And then you start fucking talking about doing paywalls and subscriptions. It feels like you're taking the piss. Yeah. Um, So, honestly, I played the demo for Infinite Wealth on the Like a Dragon Gaiden game. Mm. I really loved Like a Dragon Gaiden, actually. It's one of my favourites in the series now. Mm. Um, Because it has a really good storyline. Well, decent enough storyline. But what's really good about it, the bit that made it land, is the ending... Kiryu Kazuma has a really emotional journey to the point where he literally breaks down crying at the end. And to see a man who's been that like stoic and that strong throughout the whole series broken to pieces, that works. Yeah. That really hits you hard. And you can see why as well, because it's to do with the orphan kids that he's been looking after and how he can never have any, any life or relationship with them anymore. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, man, that stuff hits you hard. Yeah. Um, and so I went from that to playing the Infinite Wealth demo. Uh, demo, and the Infinite Wealth demo it feels lifeless, feels heartless. Maybe because there isn't much story in it. I think for me, the thing with life service games is one. I enjoy replaying games I like. Yes, I've replayed Resident Evil hundreds of times. I also am a grown-up with responsibilities now. I can't always get around to playing something when it's brand new and it's first come out. Yeah. The problem with life service games is you never really own that game. You've got it until they decide to stop supporting it. Yeah. And then sometimes they just up and delist them. Yep. This is a side effect of the fact that physical media is disappearing. I only recently, in the last couple of years, have finally given in and started getting download games, and that's only because I've started playing on uh, on PC. Yeah. Um, I was very much physical media before that. Um, but when you're playing on PC, it just makes sense to just buy them off Steam. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Alan Wake 2 was a digital-only uh, didn't even bother to do a disc release of Alan Wake 2 because uh, it just didn't make economic sense for Remedy to do it because of the cost of printing the discs. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I understand all of that. But, but it's a shame because the more we go down that route, the more we're going to run into problems like studios just deciding to delist games. You can't get the two... Uh, there was two Transformers games in the 2000s, uh, Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron, which I believe um, they've actually been delisted from Steam now. You actually can't get them anymore because the company that made the games only had the Transformers license for so many years. Yeah. And now they've lost the license. They actually can't sell the games anymore. Well, that's, I think that's what happens with um, a few of the Sega games that I really loved and have been delisted from services like Outrun 2 or Outrun 2006 Coast to Coast or Outrun Online Arcade. Uh, there's been multiple releases for that. Online Arcade was on the Xbox 360, but because they've got the Ferrari licenses in them, they get delisted. Same with Afterburner. Afterburner has um, different licenses from uh, aeronautics companies. And so when the licensing runs out, they delist them. Yeah. And it's a shame because it's... After time, even if you own the game already, you can't get them back. Yeah. I like... Something I will give props to Microsoft for is generally if you buy something, even if it gets delisted, quote-unquote, you can still download it again. Yeah. Um, that is something I think Microsoft are doing well. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously not their fault if licenses run out, etc., etc. But there are... I'll be honest, the only reason that Microsoft seems to be great at great for that is because everyone else is basically shit at it. Yeah. It's not because Microsoft are particularly brilliant. No, Microsoft are doing the bare minimum. Yeah, which is allowing you to keep the games you've paid for. Yeah, but that's better than doing nothing. Yeah, uh, which is you know, been kicking up against Sony recently, actually, yeah. where you know they were like, certain purchases you've made on the PlayStation Store, because the rights to this TV show you bought are now owned by someone else, we're going to have to delist them. Right. Yeah, and people kicked off. I think they're keeping them now, but it might only be for another year. Wow. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's like, well, you technically you paid for that series. Yeah. But now you don't have it. Anymore. Well, it's like me buying. Plus, the way that Sony are doing it, I think it will delete it from your hard drives automatically once it expires. Okay. Next question comes to us from Peter from Hartlepool. 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 Uh, what is your guilty pleasure video game movie or a particular guilty pleasure scene in a film? Well, I would have should have saved Need for Speed for that, shouldn't I? Um, well, it depends. Do you feel guilty about it? No, because it's actually a stellar movie. I um, 
confession time. Go on. Get ready to scream. I don't anymore. Video game Earth Force? But there was a time. <laughs> there was a time of about two years. Right. When I was 12. No. 13. Bro, I fucking loved the first Resident Evil movie. <gasps> no. Re- I don't think I've ever told you how early in my film watching life I watched Resident Evil. Well, it'd be 2002. It was one of my really, like, early films. Yeah. Um, so I saw, as most people know, the first quote-unquote grown-up film I saw was Nightmare on Elm Street. And it was not long after. It was maybe six months later I got Resident Evil on DVD. Right. And I'd barely played any Resident Evil games at this point. I'd... I certainly hadn't finished any of them um, because I was shockingly bad at them. Yeah. And we got Resident Evil, and I'm not going to lie, I would not get in an elevator for ages after watching that. (laughs) That bit where the elevator drops while she's halfway out the door. Just don't go halfway out of it. Um, Oh, you better believe I won't be doing. (laughs) And... Me, Jody, and John, we actually loved the first Resident Evil film. We watched it loads. Absolutely loads. Now you um, kick off like a baby. Loved, loved, the, yeah, oh, honestly, full hypocrite. Loved the laser corridor. Um, honestly, if he hadn't have bought it back in every other film... I'd still think the laser corridor was a cool scene. Yeah. It's the fact that he kept bringing it back and then they kept putting it in the games. Yeah. Because actually, just that first laser corridor sequence is actually executed really well. You you honestly think the black guy at the end is going to survive it. You feel cheated by the fact that when it splits into the grid and kills him, you feel cheated, mainly because he's the most likable fucking character in the film. He's only in it for ten minutes. Yeah. Um, but he's a good actor, Colin Salmon is. Yeah. Um, I've seen him in loads of other stuff, including Doctor Who, uh, where he played Doctor Moon. Um, okay. But it's... And we used to... The funny thing is, the part we've always hated about, always, even then, was we hated Mila Jovovich. Right. <laughs> even as, like, like I said, I was 13, which means Jodie and John were even younger. Well, the character's and gotten a real arc, has <laughs> she? She's, she's super-powered, yeah. God-given all yeah. of the superpowers. We, we, were, we liked Michelle Rodriguez more. She's cool. Because she's got all the cool lines. Yeah. She's got the coolest line in the film, which is when JD is like, I shot her five times. How is she still standing? Bitch ain't standing now. <laughs> it's the best line. Is that still your guilty pleasure film, or no, is, has no, that been replaced? No. When we rewatched it for VGMP, mm. it's so bad. It's don't get me wrong. It probably is that or the second one is the best of the Resident Evil films. Mm. The Paul Anderson ones, anyway. Sure. But it's. Do you know what? I think Welcome to Raccoon City might be a guilty pleasure now. Okay. Because I. I recognise it's not a good movie, but I enjoyed it, but I have only seen it twice. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, the, the first Resident Evil we actually really liked for a long time. Oh, man. We, we even liked the whole, um, uh, the bit where the Red Queen, which by the way has aged terribly, that CGI, but when the Red Queen's like, you're all going to die down here. Yeah. Um, we, we loved it. And, 
I tell you, do you know the bit where we fucking creamed in our jeans? Sure, him. Is at the end when the scientists come in and they separate Mila Jovovich oh, and Oh, and Matt. he starts turning into the Nemesis. And he goes, I want him in the Nemesis program. Yeah. So Nemesis was pretty much the only Resident Evil we'd played at that point. Yeah. And we'd honestly, we'd gotten, this is how far we'd got into the game. You know the bit where Nemesis jumps through the window in the police station, which is right near the beginning? Yeah. Scared us so much we turned the game off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Because now I've played that game a billion times. Yeah. Um, but my God, we literally were like, Nemesis! They're doing Nemesis! Oh my God! And then you were disappointed when Nemesis eventually showed up. Well, I tell you, one. do you know what is funny? And this shows how your perception of time differs as you get older. Yeah. Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil Apocalypse, only came out two years later. It felt like forever, didn't it? It felt like we waited years for that film to come out. Yeah. Um, I remember checking news websites daily. Like, I used to go on film news websites Mm. every day looking for news about Resident Evil 2. Wow. And um, anyway, as I got older and as I played Resident Evil, I came to realise that the Paul Anderson film, A was basically just a cheap imitation of Aliens. Yep. And B, was not a Resident Evil movie. Not really. Had a few Um, embellishments, but that was it. But to this point, I will admit, the first one, if someone was like, oh, let's watch it, I'd be like, yeah, all right then. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't... If someone sat and tried to make me watch the final chapter, I think I'd rather kill that person and go to jail. (laughs) Because the final chapter is awful. Well, I'm going to struggle getting you to watch that one when we get to it then, aren't mm. <laughs> Oh, no, because I'm looking forward to... I'm not going to lie. Over on STC, do you remember how much of a little bitch you turned into when we watched Serendipity? Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Thanks for raising that. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do when we watch Resident Evil. At, oh. least, at least you had real personal trauma linked to that. I just think it's a shit <laughs> film that ruined my favourite video game franchise. Damn it. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> Wesker um, gets killed by a door, Rory. Yeah, well, that's how he goes out in the real world. A door! <laughs> anyway, go on. Don't you think that death is adorable? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, well, what's yours? So, I'd, so, I've got two options, really. Uh, are we only picking from what we've reviewed on the show, or can I pick... Um. I don't think they specified. I suppose they haven't, they haven't specified that, to be fair. Yeah, because I suppose Guilty Pleasure for me, uh, from what we've watched on the show, would be Sega Hard Girls. Because I can recognise it's not a good show. Um, but because I am such a big nerd for Sega, and I love all of the niche references to Sega in that series, I can't help but watch it and be like, mm. oh my god, it's that from that, it's yeah. that from... You know, to the point where I was nerdy enough to put up the blog... Where I multi, there was multiple blogs. I think there was ten blogs I had to do mm-hmm. to cover all the references that are in that yeah. series, and they're not short. You know, I I go into detail, and there's still a few I still don't know the name of, yeah. um, because I don't quite recognise where they're from. Be honest, Rory, your satin don't work anymore, does it? My satin's in the lockup. It's, it's don't don't upset me it, about my satin being in it's, the lockup. It's full of cum in it, Rory. No, it's not. No, it, it does have a Fenrir in it though. It's full of cum in it. Yeah. <laughs> Max shooting his loads into it? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it had to replace the disk drive? Yeah. <laughs> Mechanism don't work no more. No, um... I So I appreciate all of that stuff because I'm that level of nerd about Sega. Mm. 
But I still appreciate the fact that it's actually not a good series. Yeah. And people in general could not even Sega fans generally give a fuck about it. Um, as a more sort of up and coming, I suppose, reference to a series that I've watched but we haven't covered on the show yet, probably Akiba's Trip mm. or Akiba Strip, whichever way it's meant to be pronounced. It's Akiba's Trip, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, I think so, but it's stylized sort of like Akiba Strip. Yeah, yeah. Um, based in Akihabara about. You know, demons that, in order to kill them, you have to undress them. Mm. It sounds terrible. It's not actually not you're talking, awful. You're talking to a ma- you're talking to a cultured gentleman who enjoys high school DxD here. So. That's true. Um, it is. It's not actually as awful as it sounds, but it is clearly mm. not Bush City limits. If you know what I mean, mm. <laughs> that's why that's why the fun is there. So. Um, but it is it's a good fun series. So for for sort of a an intriguing what might we discuss yeah. soon on the show. Yeah, Akiba's trip for me. Okay, so this next one's going to have us reaching for the tissues. from Because we're going to be crying. Okay. From Carly in Edinburgh, what is one of our, What is your saddest moment from a video game? From yeah. a video game? Yeah, you ever cried at a video game, Rory? Yes. Do tell. Yes. Um, so I probably cried a few times when I played the original Last of Us, but the one that I can remember at the moment, the one that comes to mind the most is probably still Like a Dragon Gaiden. Um, the breakdown of Kiryu Kazuma is actually, for me, the most important part of his character journey. Um, and that's why it kind of feels also like it's cheap bringing him back in infinite wealth. Yeah. I don't need any more character story for this character. Certainly where he's not the main character anymore. Yeah. You know, he's just a side guy. Um, seems pointless and impersonal considering that the last game was so personal to him yeah so yeah i i I cried at the end of that when he was crying i yeah. felt empathy with his storyline good and that's the, what you want yeah that's it's, it's why it's one of my favorites now because it actually takes me to an emotional place whereas actually to be honest as much as i like yakuza it doesn't often take you there um yakuza 2 for example is one of my least favorites because it has Literally nothing that takes you on an emotional journey. Right. Um, Yakuza Zero does take you on a slight emotional journey, not with Kazuma, but with um, Goro Majima. Um, his storyline in that takes you to a few emotional places. Not quite as deep necessarily as Kiryu's in Gaiden, but it's close. Um, I prefer, you know, if I'm going to be on this big, sprawling, long lasting storyline, I want it to hit me in the chest with the feels. Um, I don't want to be sitting here go being like, well, I'm stoic, strong man. Mm. The whole time, fine, give me that, but then pay it off somewhere with some emotional, you know, yeah, change up. So yeah, I, I, for me, probably be like a Dragon Gaiden at the moment. Though mm. I have cried at a few games. I'll be honest, most video games don't tell an emotional enough storyline to hit yeah. me there. Oh, it's quite a modern thing trying to tell an emotional oh. story in a video game. When, when don't I get upset at video games? I, I cry my ass off at a load of games. I, they don't mean when they like rewrite Wesker's death. No, or Brit. Wesker's not in six. It's his so, damn son, I, and his son doesn't make any sense. So I'll tell you. Sometimes I've been sad in games. <laughs> I was sad when I was sad when Steve died in Code Veronica. Really? I was sad when. Um, Tell you what, I was actually sad. I didn't cry, but do you know what did sadden me and has been cheapened by the fact that they keep bringing him back? 
I was pretty sad when Shadow died in Sonic Adventure 2. No, I'll tell you what, that did actually have some emotional resonance yeah. to it. Um, the Darkness, uh, both of the Darkness games actually pull off death really well. Your girlfriend Jenny dies in the first one, and your Aunt Sarah dies in the second one, and the games handle it, both of them, quite well. Like You really feel futile, like you can't help. Right. Uh, but in terms of actually crying... I teared up a little bit when Ethan Winters dies at the end of Resident Evil Village. Oh, yeah? Because uh, he is... So, spoilers for Resident Evil Village. <laughs> uh, he finds out he's a mouldy cheese person. And um, once you beat the final boss and destroy the mould core, all of the mould creatures start to die, which includes you, because you're made of mould. Um and unlike the film, Resident Evil The Last Chapter, that tries to do this same thing, but as it's cake and eat it too, where they're like, oh, we need to release this antivirus and everything that's got the T-virus in it will die, which should include Alice. But for some reason, Alice just survives. Yeah. Because plot armor. Ethan's dying and he's carrying his daughter and his like, steps are starting to get stiff. Because yeah. he's starting to crystallise in, you know, like the mould. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. you didn't get far enough in seven to see it, but when the mould creatures does it happen before you have to rotate? No, it doesn't. Fucking eagle! It doesn't. <laughs> the creatures, um, they like crystallise, and he's doing that, and he's like struggling to walk. And Chris runs up to him, and Chris is like, "We gotta go, Ethan!" And he like hands the baby to Chris. Right. It's very sad. The only thing that ruins it is for some reason Capcom are still doing their bollocks where you can't see Ethan's face at all. (laughs) So they're having to pick some real dumb camera angles to stop you seeing his face in this scene. show it at the end. They should. They absolutely should. It's the one thing that ruins it. His fringe is suddenly like this long so it can hide his face. (laughs) At one point, Chris's big biceps hiding his face. Now, if we want to talk actual tears and yeah. actually feeling destroyed, Go on. and these are both examples that are not masculine to admit at all, I am a sucker for a tragic romance story. I bawl like a baby at the end of Final Fantasy X. For some reason, Seven never got me. I don't really care when Aerith dies. Right. Maybe because it had been spoilt for me. I don't know. It was By the time we would have played it, it, was like, it wasn't just well-known. It's basically part of... Pop culture. Pop culture. Yeah. Final Fantasy X, once you beat Sin and you Yevon, and Tidus now knows that he's actually just a dream... And he starts to fade out of existence. And Yuna sees this and she runs up to him to try and hug him. And she falls through him because right. he's becoming incorporeal. Might as well just flick a switch, baby. Because the tears just start coming. And I'm like... Ah. Don't they ruin that in the sequel? They do. They bring him back in the sequel. And the original creator of the first game was so offended by the fact that they brought Tidus back. He then wrote an official tie-in novel set after the second game where Tidus gets killed again in the stupidest way possible, which is he kicks a blitz ball, which is basically a football. Yeah. That's actually a bomb disguised as a blitz ball. 
it's so honestly I, I never want to read that because that's just going to piss me the fuck off why didn't he just come out and go as far as I'm concerned only the first game is canon because he could say that all he wants but if Square are saying it's canon man yeah but then why can't they, they would just decanonise his yeah. book to be honest I only really count the first Final Fantasy 10-2 is okay but it's not great right. um, and I also tear up not so much anymore this one doesn't get me anymore but first time I played it cried my eyes out at the end of Kingdom Hearts right because <laughs> Mickey and Sora get locked in Kingdom Hearts and Kyrie, Donald and Goofy they're on this little island and it starts to like float away across this infinite void and they're like reaching for each other but their fingertips can't quite touch and it starts playing this really sad Japanese pop song and I'm just like <laughs> unfortunately they ruined that one as well because it took them a fucking decade or whatever to make the sequel and then 20 years after that to make the third one which I haven't played yet That that's a franchise that got way too convoluted for its own good oh that was someone who thought oh but I could make this much more intellectual and it's yeah. like no all you've done is made it complicated yeah. and crap yeah it's fucking Disney meets Final Fantasy you yeah. don't need it to be any more complicated than that See you after the break. Kevin from New York. New York. Hey. Got someone from America. Hey. Ooh, uh, pizza pie. <laughs> That's like, New York, isn't it? Yes. I'm not offensive at all. No. A bit of casual racism. Um, he would like to know, if you could make any video game adaptation, what would it be, and who would you cast? Oh, okay. Shall I take point? Yeah, go ahead. So, okay, so the video game adaptation I always wanted to make, which I'm sure will be both a surprise by the choice, but also not a surprise. No, no. Um... <laughs> Thought I can see why you'd think that. Well, you, oh no, it's not out when it's Daytona. It, Daytona USA. You've told me about this before. Yeah. So my idea for Daytona USA would be Hiroyuki Sanada as the lead actor plays Hanzo Hisashi in the Mortal Kombat movies, the new ones. Uh, he's also been in The Last Samurai. He's also been in Sunshine. He's also been in uh, Rush Hour Three. He's a man with a very big career. And his character, who would be called Hiro or Hero, he would uh, basically be the the driver who raced the Hornet car to victory in the 90s. Through a series of egotistical sort of bullshattery, as he got older, his ego got the better of him. He got kicked out of being able to do races and stuff like that. And now he has a uh, a post-career life just going from convention to convention for, like, different Daytona stuff and all this shit. Um, he's kind of like a washed-up race driver. You also have a main female character, who I've not named yet, who would basically be a taxi driver in San Francisco. Hiroyuki Sanada would go to San Francisco to go to one of these conventions. And as he gets the cab there, he just by happens to go into this girl's taxi and she's a big fan of his 
So she's like, oh, let me show you how I drive. He's like, no, no, that's fine. And she's like, no, no, let me show you. And she basically crazy taxes it around the town, like does stupid drift turns, almost hits multiple cars, etc. But rather than doing what happens in Crazy Taxi, where he's like, oh, this is great, that he have more money, he's fuming, as you could expect he would be. It's like, you're fucking insane. You've nearly killed me. Like, get the hell out of here. Pays her the basic fare and goes into the convention hall. Later on, she's in uh, the bar, and he comes into the bar. He recognises her from the taxi cab, and he was actually somewhat impressed, thinking back about how well she handled the cab. Bear in mind, it's a manual stick cab, which is not common anymore. So he decides that she might be his ticket into getting back into Daytona, being his co-driver. And in order to do that, they sort of start this journey where they have to try and get the get the original Daytona car back. So they go to the guy who currently owns it, uh, who, who's got it in a museum, and he challenges him to a race. Hiroyuki Sanada owns a Ferrari Testarossa, which is the car from OutRun. And the guy who owns the museum has a Ferrari F355 Challenge, which would also be another Sega game. They have a race. Sanada wins, takes the Daytona car, and now they need the engineer who is doing rally circuits up in the snow. So then they take the car up to the snow, and they have a rally challenge against the uh, Toyota Celica and the the Lancia Delta. Sega Rally. Yeah. And basically, most of this film, it's a, it's almost like a love letter to all of the Sega races as you go. But over the course of the film, the main thrust of the film is that they're going to try and go back to Daytona to win it. But they keep having to do all these other races to get the, get the car, get the engineer they need for the car. Then they need to get parts for the car because obviously a lot of it's aged and needs replacing. But over the course of it, it turns out that Hiroyuki Sanada, the reason he's been out of the races is because he actually has heart problems. So we just get little glimpses of him taking these tablets every now and then. And his engineer figures it out and he's just like, you you can't be fucking racing because you're going to die on the racetrack. Sanada's son basically goes, I can't have you do this and has the car towed away and given back to the museum. So now neither of them can race. So they have to break the car out of the museum. And in order to do so, as um, the female race driver and the engineer uh, tow the Daytona car away in a truck, or, well, they have a guy towing it away in a truck while those two uh, drive off in the Testarossa during the night towards Daytona, uh, which is a nice outrunish sort of moment. What Sonada does is he takes one of the, I think it's a Honda-type motorcycle, which is the one from Hang On, and he uses it to distract the cops by riding away on this and trying to make his escape. What ends up happening is instead he gets he has a heart attack and crashes the thing and dies on the uh, dies in the ambulance. The whole thrust of the story is to build up the fact that this man has wasted a lot of his life, pissed off his own son, and alienated everyone for the love of the thrill. And one of the one of the story arcs that you have to give to the female character is that she has to learn not to be like him. As much as she admires him, as much as she wants to have his success, to not replicate his failures. Which I think is a kind of a cool story arc. Uh, and the final part of the film is a straight race at Daytona, at um, 777 Speedway. And I want that whole final race to be first person. 
So I would have, uh, you know, she'd it'd be all from her perspective as she's racing. I'd have mirrors set up that would basically be cr- green keyed out where I'd then film her in reverse as well. And then I can overlap her actual face on those. But I'd want things like flaming vehicles, smashed up bits of car, damage to the bodywork of the Hornet, things like that, all happening from a first person perspective. And as they go around, you get like, it, certainly when you're thinking of like um, three dimensional surround sound, having the crowds and stuff move around the sound field the way it would do um, if you were actually in the car. And because right. it's all from inside the car's perspective, that's easy enough to track. Rather than if you do multiple carts, well, if the crowd is on the left during one shot, they might be in front or behind in another shot. Whereas if it's all from within the car for a solid three and a half minutes, you just move the sound field around as is real as what matches the, you know, the visuals you're showing. Yeah. So I think that'd be kind of a cool finale as well, having that first person angle at seven 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 speedway, and then finishing it off by drifting it, because of course you would, because Daytona. Always had that cheeky fucking last turn in the oh, really? speedway. Yeah. Uh, the last turn of the speedway is the only time you should be drifting. Okay. But yeah, uh, that I just like that idea as well because there's quite a nice amount of iconography there. Stuff that fans of the series would like, but it wouldn't be so niche as to not be understandable yeah. by non-fans. Like having the Hornet, the Daytona USA car, versus the two cars from Sega Rally in the snow where the Sega Rally cars are on... Um, non-slip tires and the only one, the only tires available to the Hornet are the ones it's got which are yeah. road tires so it's at an immediate disadvantage in the snow Yeah. so it really, you really kind of key into that underdog story yeah. of the Daytona trying to, like the, the, the Hornet Daytona team trying to get to victory I think that would work mm. as a narrative um, certainly it's more visual it's more of an action racing story than it is an emotional one, but I'd want to put enough in there on, you know, the fact that Sonada's character would be so irresponsible. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be a good move. As for other celebrities, again, this is not something that I've paced out in celebrities. Hiroyuki Sonada is definitely a man I'd want in it. But with the others, there's quite a little bit of play. I'd like there to be quite a, a confident female lead. Sort of age range you're looking at probably 20s for the for the woman because obviously it'd be the counterbalance she's the younger protege almost of sonada's character but with the engineer and the the co-driver i mean there's a bit more flexibility yeah and i'd rather than be people with a certain amount of personality to them not necessarily ryan reynolds because i don't think you'd take a side character role like that anyway but you know someone who when you cast them they immediately come with personality attached yeah you know what, Rami Malek can do it because he did it really well in Need for Speed. Yeah. Um, you know, Brad Pitt's doing a lot of small roles now. Oh, yeah, that's true. I actually watched the other day, I watched The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and oh, Channing Tatum in that it. Yet. I'm really looking forward it, to seeing that. Yeah, it's, all, it's got a bit of an Uncharted vibe to it. Oh, nice. Uh, but what I didn't realise is Brad Pitt's in it. Yes. He's only in it for about 10 minutes and then he gets killed. <laughs> Spoiler but alert. That's something he started doing a lot late. He does that. He, he has a one second cameo in Deadpool 2, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. 
What about yourself? Sorry, I know that was a bit long. No, 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 that's right. So there's a few I'd want to do, but I'm I'm going to just pick one. Mm. I've said before I'd love to do a rapture, t- a rise and fall of rapture TV series, mm. but since that's not an actual adaptation of the direct game, I won't pick that one. I would love to do Alan Wake, but I'm not going to pick that, and I'll tell you why I'm the wrong person to adapt Alan Wake, because Remedy are so uniquely multimedia in their approach. I don't think I would be happy having anyone but Ilkavili and Matthew Peretta play Alan Wake. Right. Now, to be fair, they've dubbed him so well in the game that you can't really tell that two different people play Alan Wake. But it's harder in live action, isn't it? No, no, in the live action bits. Oh. Yeah. Um his but I, I think what they do is I think they actually do it the opposite way that dubbing is usually done. I think they record Matthew Peretta's voice work first and then Il Cavilli mouths over it, I think. Interesting. But yeah, they've actually done it really well. But to be honest, I've seen an interview with Il Cavilli. His Finnish accent, not that there's anything saying you can't have a Finnish accent in a film, but his Finnish accent is really not that strong. Like he speaks English perfectly clearly. I think you could just have Ilkavili play the part. But anyway, I'm not going to pick Alan Wake for that reason. Instead, I'm going to go with the classic, um, which is Resident Evil Code Veronica, <laughs> which I obviously would love to do. I'm not saying my version of it would be any good because mm. I'd be very faithful to the game. So what would you... I would want to yeah. do most of it practical effects. Nice. I understand there's going to be a couple of bits like Alexia setting herself on fire. You're going to have to animate that probably. Because I wouldn't really... To be honest, I'm going to sound like a... I'm going to sound hypocritical here, but go with me on this. Yes, I always prefer practical effects where possible. However, I also respect human safety. Fire stunts, even when performed by a professional stunt team, are notoriously dangerous stunts. Yeah. I kind of think the responsible thing to do with fire stunts nowadays is CGI them. Sure. I mean, you um, you can do a lot with lighting as well. One of the main issues whenever they do fire stuff CGI-wise is they don't light the fire, Yeah, as it were. It's like they light the scene and then they superimpose everything. Yeah. But actually having practical lights to emulate fire on the character yeah. would help a long way with the CGI effects on top to making it look like the character's on fire without actually doing it. Um, what would you do about getting around some of the more questionable aspects of Code Veronica like the uh, the cross-dressing and things like that. This is the other reason I could never actually make this film is I wouldn't. I would just do it. I, as far as I'm concerned like all you can do because I, I wouldn't want to take that out of it. Right. All you can do as far as I'm concerned. It would be a complete rewrite of that character. In yeah. I think you just have to make it clear like he's not a trans character. He He's more like Norman Bates. Yeah. He's incapable of handling the loss that he's experienced um i definitely would want to do the film i i think alfred ashford is a really tragic villain and i'd love to do him in a way that i don't want to use the word sympathetic because that's not i mean he is still a monster yeah yeah who presided over huge guy or anything like that no but I would, I wouldn't want to go with the comical "Welcome, Claire" sort of voice. Oh God, yeah, that would be really monotonous um, over the course of a film. Yeah, well. I think you want something still slightly feminized. I think. Yeah. So you don't want like a big butch guy playing him. Also, that him. gives him away his cross-dressing thing way too soon. It does, doesn't He's it? Like, well, this guy's already got a higher pitched voice. Yeah. Um, I, th- 
I would probably cut the gulp worm as well. I don't think you need the gulp worm, and I've always, I've always found all the worm enemies kind of stupid. Right. Um, I tell you what, I think would be a fucking great scene is the tyrant fight in the back of the airplane. Yeah, that'd think, be that'd be intense. Uh, that'd be cool as hell. Um, I actually think it's quite difficult to cram Code Veronica into one film because mm. uh, it's actually when you think about it, it's quite a long game. Um, yeah. And quite a lot happens in it. You'd have to trim certain bits out, I think. Well, you trim all the backtracking, yeah. for starters, because Code Veronica does pad its runtime with a lot of backtracking. Yeah. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons Resident Evil game people always go, I don't understand how they can't ever get a Resident Evil film right. Don't get me wrong, they we we do deserve better than Paul Anderson gave us, but actually they are games that are difficult to translate to film. Yeah. Because they are so puzzle heavy and backtracking heavy yeah but um i would sort of go with a i've got a rough cast here oh go on so first of all i've cast alexander ashford because i'd probably do some flashbacks of him i think he'd only have like one scene really uh which would be when you're explaining how alfred and alexia were created i'd like to get a guy with some gravitas for this Mm. so i've gone with charles dance oh interesting because you want someone who embodies that English authoritarian. Yeah. yeah. And they're all blonde as well, aren't they? The Ashfords. So. Yes. Charles Dance, I think. Um, Steve Burnside was a difficult one to pick because I'm simply not au fait with young actors anymore. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio, because that's what his character yeah. design was based um, on. <laughs> I've gone with Cole Sprouse. Oh, I don't know Cole Sprouse. Ben from Friends, who's in his 20s now. Oh, Wow. Oh, blimey, I suppose he would be, wouldn't he? And he's most known for being on Riverdale now. Oh, okay. I haven't seen Riverdale. No, it doesn't look like the sort of thing we'd like. It's like a teen drama. Ah. But, so, I'm going to do the smaller characters first and then reveal the big ones. So, because you don't actually have that many characters in Code Veronica, you then got Rodrigo Juan Raval, who has one bit where he releases... I thought this would be a great time for a cameo from one of our favourite performers. Banderas strikes again. Ah, Antonio Banderas. Yes. Yeah, why not? Get him in. I love Antonio. Antonio Banderas. Strikes again. Strikes again. Um, Okay. So, Claire Redfield. Yeah. I think Hayley Steinfeld is a great choice. Now, the girl who played Claire in Welcome to Raccoon City, uh, Kaya Scodelario, didn't do a bad job at all. She did a pretty good job, except that Claire Redfield's meant to be about 18, 19 years old. Uh, I think she could probably pull it off. She plays Baby Hawkeye in the Hawkeye TV series. Right. Yeah, I can see it in her face and things like that, yeah. Um, Now, Chris Redfield, I've got two options for here. And one, I feel like I'm being a bit unfair here. In Welcome to Raccoon City, Chris Redfield is played by Robbie Amell. Right. Who didn't do a bad job. He did what he could with what he was given. He's just a little too baby-faced to be Chris for me. So I'd actually cast his brother, Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell. Who is most well-known for being Green Arrow on the TV series Arrow. Right. Um, Or he might be getting on a bit too much now. But I thought Jensen Ackles could play him as well. In fact, there was talk at one point, you know. Um, in fact, I think he auditioned uh, of Jensen Ackles being Leon Kennedy in the Paul Anderson movies. Ooh, Jensen Ackles would, to me, seems to be much more accurate to what 
Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a good actor as well, Jensen Ackles. Um, and at one point, apparently he auditioned to be Leon Kennedy, but I think they couldn't make his schedule on Supernatural fit around. Right. Which, fair play, you don't want to be in them Paul Anderson movies anyway. Albert Wesker is in yes, this. Yes, he is, yeah. Now, for a long time, I've thought that a good choice for Wesker, but bear in mind I came up with this idea about eight years ago, so he has aged since then, is Nikolai Costa-Waldo, who is Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. Right, yes. I always thought he'd be a good Albert Wesker. Yeah. He's yeah, got he's... The smugness to him. Absolutely, yes. Um, he has it. He's older now, obviously. I don't really know what he's looking like these days, but he looks very much the same. Slightly yeah. few more lines to his face, um, which actually might work for the, you know, the the presence. Well, to be fair, they've stuff. always made Wesker look younger in the games than he is. You know, by the time five rolls around, Wesker's meant to be like fifty at that yeah. point. Yeah, that, that is not a fifty-year-old man. No. Screaming about Ouroboros. <laughs> uh, which brings us to our two villains, Alfred and Alexia Ashford. Mm-hmm. Now, I did toy for a long time with the idea of having Alfred and Alexia played by the same person. Right. Why don't you get them both played by Jedward? Oh, God. <laughs> Talk about a 2008 reference. Baby. You know that you want to do oh, it now, I do though. not. Um, Which one of them gets to play Alexia? <laughs> now, that would work in the sense of they are supposed to be identical twins. Yes. But to be honest, they don't look identical in the game either. When they could just literally uh, be a, I think a they are. Swap. I think they are the same character model in the game with different hair. You sure? I think they are. They don't look the same to me. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. So we could do that and have just the person who plays Alexia also play Alfred. Um Kate Blanchett's done that before. She mm. plays Bob Dylan in a Bob Dylan film. And Tilda Swinton is the queen of playing yeah. both genders. She's in she the might s- be a bit too old for these oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. characters now. But. So, but I've decided to go with two options here. On the assumption that you could always do it where... Remember, Alexia, at the time Code Veronica takes place, mm. Alexia has been dead for... F- 15 years. Yeah, she's been frozen, hasn't she? Yeah. So, to be but fair... she doesn't they... look that much different. Well, so, to this age. thing, to be fair, Alexia should, and I couldn't understand why Capcom didn't do this, Alexia, when she unfreezes, should still be 15 years old. Oh, yeah. But I understand why Capcom didn't do that, because they don't want you shooting a little girl in the face. Because they're cowards. Um, <laughs> um, but Alfred would have aged, so actually maybe it doesn't matter if they don't look the same. Yeah. So I've gone with Paul Dano as Alfred Ashford. I think Paul Dano is a phenomenal actor. I actually think he's one of the best actors working today. He yeah. is the Riddler in the new Batman movie. Yes. Um, he has a He has a quality about him where you can very easily believe that he is psychotic, but it's like a calm, quiet psychosis where it's not that over-the-top, welcome, Claire, but it's still a sort of effeminate quality. Right. Paul Dane. Yeah, I suppose I could see him working. Yeah. Okay, well then, who would be your... So for Alexia, I'm going to go with Anya Taylor-Joy. Right, okay. From the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, she's She's not at all look similar to... No, she doesn't look anything like him. So you'd probably drop the identical bit. I mean, that's not necessarily key to the story, I guess. No. But she is a little unusual looking. Not in a bad way. 
She is unusual looking, and that's 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 why she sells, though. Yeah, she's... she has an ethereal quality to her, mm. and I've seen her play that very calm, very... You know, the whole point of Alexia's character is she thinks she's better than everybody else, yeah. and she's got that sort of clipped British... Is there someone in the corridor? As she says. Um, I could see Anya Taylor-Joy doing that. Yeah. So I'd go with something like that. Not that you would ever get half of these actors to agree to be. I in mean, a this, again, Evil these are all movie. dream castings of films that we're not even yeah. in any way connected to. No. <laughs> actually, making you hear this, Capcom. Give me the rights, damn it. Sega. We all know you're not giving them back to what's his face. Um, the guy who did uh, what, who did the last one, Johannes Roberts. Yeah. So let me let me have a crack. Put me in coach. Sega Daytona, please. Hey, they might do. They need the money. <laughs> and certainly no big directors want to work with Sega anymore, so... Oi! So our next question we need to try and take seriously. <laughs> That's not a good start. Because despite writing in to tell us that he was unhappy with us, our next question is from Boy 17 Ballboy! Hello, Ballboy 17 I always hear it as ball boy, like the tennis guys yeah, chase that's, after the ball. that's the parody. Oh, is it? I think so. Sounds like a load of bollocks. He'd like to. Know, <laughs> he would like to know our favourite Uwe Ball movies. Okay, interesting enough. Um, all I'm right, I'm gonna take House of the Dead. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll take. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with In the Name of the King of Dragon Siege Tale. Right. Um, it's crap, but it's fun enough that I can watch it. And you know what? House of the Dead. Honestly, it I has liberty was- in it. Yeah, but <laughs> she was fit. Also, I I know it overused the twirling around people mm. camera, but you know what? At least it had something worth looking at. Yeah, I liked some of the visual design of House of the Dead one. Haven't seen the second Even one if yet. He did have to? Sil- he didn't do the second one, did he? He produced it. Oh, okay, but yeah, no, he didn't direct it. Even if it uh, did have the silly bit in it where they're like, "Why do you want immortality to live forever?" Yeah, yeah oh, that's yeah. what immortality means, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, don't get me wrong. There's never going to be. I don't think, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I don't think there's ever going to be a, a good Uwe Boll movie that's like genuinely good. Oh, don't don't disappoint Boll Boy. I'm sorry, Boll Boy. I actually don't think there will be, but if there is, think Boy I've not is seen Uwe it yet. Boll? I hope so. Raging Boll. Uh, <laughs> he hates the Raging Boll oh, joke. sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't upset him. He's a um, long-term listener. Thank you for having written in, Ball Boy. Oh, absolutely. And I apologise that I've mentioned Code Veronica yet again. Yes. I will state that I'm never going to like Alone in the Dark, because I've seen it and it's awful. Yeah. Blood Rain 2 is the only of the three Blood Rain films I've seen. That's also terrible. Right. Um, but in the name of the King of Dragon Siege Tale, I can get behind. And you know what? While it's not my taste, there's an audience for Postal. Yeah. I don't think it's important at all. Mm. But... Uh, no, as much as Uwe Boll seems to think it is. But you know what? It's got an audience. It's got the Jackass audience. If yeah. you like Jackass, you'll like Postal. I just don't like either. It's, but uh, you know what? Fine. Our next question is from Laura, also in Essex. Oh, hello, Laura. Um, she'd like to know, what are your expectations for the upcoming third Sonic the Hedgehog movie? And do we think Jim Carrey will return? I personally think he might. There has been some leaks, hasn't there, suggesting that he might? Yeah, I think if he does come back, though, it probably will be in a more minor role. I don't think he's going to be the main villain. Number one, because... Shadow's going to be the main villain. Yeah, because they're doing the Sonic Adventure 2 story, Robotnik was never the main villain of that anyway. 
So he may come back in a more limited capacity. Don't get me wrong, if he comes in in a more sort of solid villain capacity, I'm going to be all up for that because I actually really enjoy his Robotnik. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong, I think there's a, a different interpretation I would prefer. But you know what? I've got nothing against um, Jim Carrey's interpretation of Robotnik. I, I think it is all but confirmed, isn't it, that Sonic Adventure 2 is what they're doing? Well, they've got Shadow the Hedgehog in it. I'm fairly certain the leaks have confirmed that they go to the Ark right. as well. Okay. Um, I'm fairly certain, but I could be wrong. And things change. They might just be going to a Death Egg. Um, I think this is inherently a risk, actually. What, doing Sonic Adventure 2? Well, this is the first time they're directly adapting a game, if they are. Because I don't think Sonic, it'll be a direct adaptation. Sonic 1 wasn't. Sonic mm. 2 wasn't, was it, really? They weren't direct adaptations no, 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 of any no. of the games. No, there was, I, they, they, was, they took elements of Sonic 3's story, but it yeah. was only a few elements, such as I, Knuckles being tricked yeah. by Robotnik. I'm totally behind them doing a straight adaptation. I'm totally down with that. Mm. Where there could be a problem is if they then change it too much. So... For example, do we think they're going to do Rouge? Well, the, the the main issue, I think, is if they do it as a straight adaptation, the main issue I'm going to have with that is, unless they drop them as characters, which would seem really unfair, where the fuck does Donut Lord and his family which, fit Which, this was going to be my next bit, which is, personally, don't want them in the film. Fire them. Yeah. I'll be honest. Or cameo, fucking yeah. cameo appearance. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Donut Lord's character was a brilliant character in the first Sonic film. Fantastic. It had nothing to do in the second one. The second film, him and his family were irrelevant, and they, in fact, damaged that film with the Bridezilla 10, 15-minute All I need from them in this is uh, they can have a little cameo at the beginning where they're watching TV and it's on the news that Sonic's being chased by gun, and they can be like, what? Yeah. Um... Another little cameo when Eggman is doing it, if Eggman's going to be back, when he's doing his whole demonstration and he blows the moon in half, mm. if they do that. And then they can be at the end when the eclipse cannon's falling, the arc's falling. Yeah. Um, assuming, again, assuming they do all this, they might. I, I actually don't think they will. I don't think they're going to do the bio lizard. I don't think they're going to do Gerald Robotnik mm. um, and the arc falling. It'd be a shame because I think that's great. And I hope that they do do it. The only problem is, is you've got to blow up half the moon in order for the arc storyline to happen. Yeah, which you then need to keep... Blo- Plus, they've not done the Death Egg yet. So it's possible, rather than do it as the arc, they'll, they'll do maybe do the, the arc storyline, but they'll do it as the Death Egg instead. I think they will. I actually would rather they didn't, because Death Egg's a really stupid name. Um, oh, and, I love and, the Death Egg. And he's not called Eggman in this. He is. In the films, they've always really called him Robotnik. I swear in the second one he's called Eggman. Sonic calls it in once, I think. Yeah, because I know he, when he's on his own in the... Because it doesn't make any sense anymore, does it? Because yeah, he's, he's not, not egg-shaped. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, honestly, mm. I'm, I'm open to either it being an adaptation or like basically just taking slight elements of the yeah. SA2 story. I'd like to see them racing for the Emeralds. That's what I want to see. Yeah, They're well, trying... they kind of already did that in number two, though. Yeah, I guess. Although it didn't feel so much like they were racing for individual. Aren't they just racing for the Master Emerald? In they were, yeah, you're right. Um, and I'd like to see... I, don't, I know we probably won't because they're not even in the game Sonic Adventure 2. I want to see some actual bad nicks. What, rather than just the white... White turret robots, yeah. Which, to be fair, if you do actual bad nicks, because assuming that at some point there's going to be a bit where Gun and Eggman fight each other. Yeah. At the minute... The way his robots are designed, they look exactly the same as Gun. 
Yeah. So it's boring. But if you swap it up and give him the caterpillars and the fucking um, mm. late, what the ladybird one's called, Dro- motobug, motobug, uh, crab killer, crab, crab killer, crab, crab meat. Um, you know, give Eggman things like that. That gives you an, a more contrasting. And kind of shows how fucking off the deep end Eggman's gone. Yeah, I think that him sliding into more and more insanity would work. Do you think we're going to get Hyper Shadow? No. Um, unless they do the Sonic Adventure 2 storyline, they probably will then. But Have they... them team up to fight a final threat. Yeah, cause we have... but then we've not even had Super Sonic yet, I don't think. Yeah, we have. We? He goes super at the end of Sonic oh, he 2. he does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. then it is possible. If they, if they, go, if they bring in Biolizard, then they will definitely do it. Yeah. But if they don't do the bio lizard, then there's no point. We think Shadow will get redeemed, though, right? They're not going to end it with him still yeah. being a villain? No. Oh, my God. Imagine if they do Black Doom. Imagine if, if the post-credit of Sonic 3 is Shadow. Shadow. What are you doing, so Where did we land on Rouge? Do we think Rouge is going to be in the film? She's I not don't been think shown she yet. Will. I think we would have seen something if she had, if she was going to be in it. Yeah, I don't think Rouge So I don't think be she's going to be in it. Though, what's weird is there's no Amy yet either. So there's no female Sonic characters coming through, which I find very... In this day and age, that's unusual. Yeah. I, they're going to introduce one. If they introduce only one female character, it's going to be Amy. Yeah. Um, there's no way in hell that if they pick what either Amy or Rouge that they'll go with Rouge. I don't know, except for the fact that this, if you want to balance the storyline, we don't need another good guy. Not really. It, to be honest, I think it's if, if Eggman does come back... I don't think they'll bother with Rouge. If Jim Carrey doesn't come back, they're going to want Shadow to have some sort of sidekick. Yeah. So I think they'll bring Rouge in. Yeah. But in the end, isn't it all an illusion? Any particular thing you definitely do want to see? I'd love it. I don't know if they will because of licensing and the way modern music is. But I'd love it if we could get a little bit of Crush 40 in it. What, Live and Learn? Live and Learn or City Escape. We won't. We won't. We absolutely won't. I don't think that. Yeah, here's modern the thing. music mm. rock is not popular with kids anymore. The other thing as well is the first film had an awful lot of Sega and Sonic references plastered throughout it. The second film didn't really have as many. Yeah, I'm so I would something I would want to see, and I know it's reference humor rather than actual you know story based stuff. But I'd like to see more of that back. You know, yeah. a little bit of harkening back to the games. Yeah. And I don't care if it sits solidly in SA2 or if they just take elements of that and mix it with elements of other stories. Uh, or they do their own story, but that has the the vibe of existing Sonic stories. I just want it to have more of that vibe again because when I watched the second one a second time, like we reviewed it, we reviewed it highly on this show. Yeah. When I watched it again a second time... Not only did the Bridezilla bit stick out, again, I, I mean, that is notably a bad element to put in the film. But there's also several bits prior to that with Sonic and Tails, which, watching it on a second viewing, I was like, this shit again? Like, the bit where they do the dance-off in Russia. Yeah. I would, it got to that point, I was like, oh, f- this noise. Honestly, I can't be asked anymore. Oh, look, it's going to be the young kids battling the... Villains, but the villains actually turn out to be having a dance off. Oh, isn't it funny? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, you did this in the first one, you did it in the second one. I don't want any more of that shit. I have to admit, I and like... none of that is Sonic related. Sonic's never gone off and had a dance off with anyone in the games. I've got to admit, I 
honestly, do you know if they could do anything? They won't. They absolutely categorically will not do this. But the number one thing they could do to fix the Sonic films for me, they've got to get them off Earth. They've got it's. They've set up I, multiple dimensions and yeah, not used any I li- of them. I liked the first two, but all we're seeing is Sonic run around regular real world locations. Yeah. You know, let's say they do a Sonic Adventure two. Well, I tell you what, we know we're not getting. We're not getting Pumpkin Hill. No. Nope. We're not getting Sky Rail. No. Nope. We're not getting. You could do Security Hall. You could do Metal Harbor, I guess. But even then, they're not going to do them. Yeah. Loops. Where the fucking loop de loops? That's like that's as associated yeah. with Sonic as rings are or Chaos Emeralds are. Yeah. There's no loops because we don't build loops in real human geography because we can't. It makes no them. sense to. Why would yeah. you? Like, oh, in the middle of this motorway, I'm just going to put a loop-de-loop. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> like, I, I really do feel that they need to get them off Earth. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but you can't you can't even make the argument, oh, well, we were worried people wouldn't watch it if it was all cartoon, because guess what? Super Mario Brothers has proven that that don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think you're right on that. The, the, the human world was a great way to bring Sonic into a live-action movie. But I think it's now also one of the main elements that's holding it. Feel even from the second one, it started to feel like, oh shit, the story is being held back by the humans. Yeah, and the Bridezilla story is the biggest showcase of that. Oh no, we need to keep the family, like uh, Donut Lord's family, in the story somehow. Well, well, let's rewrite this bit to be about them. It's like literally nobody cares. It's a shame, really, that Paramount are the ones with the rights. Yeah, I don't really trust Paramount to do anything useful. No, no. Anyway. <laughs> I've got a hope for Sonic 3, because the first two were good. But, I, yeah, I think you, the main thing I'd like to see is that they leave the humanity, the humans behind yeah. a bit more. Okay, and our final question for the night. Right. Uh, from Markin Lincoln. He'd like to know which video games we're most looking forward to, to in the coming year, and what adaptations are we most looking forward to covering? I'll be honest, I'm not really 100% up on upcoming games. No, I'm not super au fait with it myself. I must admit, the things I'm most looking forward to are the Silent Hill 2 remake, but even that, I've got to admit, with how Konami are fucking up the Silent Hill franchise at the moment, yeah, I'm not really sure I want it. I think it might just destroy the fond memories of the original Silent Hill 2. Yeah. But other than that, I'm not going to lie, and this sounds awful, and I'm kind of being a hypocrite here and going against my own thing about modern gaming. The thing I'm most looking forward to playing are the two DLC episodes for Alan Wake 2. Yeah. I'm really keen to play those, um, and I'm very hopeful that they're going to be really good and expand the story. We we already know that Remedy are probably going to take a long break between Alan Wake two and three again because they're oh they're moving on to work on a multiplayer shooter. Oh which, no! I know they're doing a multiplayer shooter based on Control apparently. Right. And it's a bit like oh why you're so good at single player games why are you going into the online multiplayer realm? Yeah. I think they're going to find they have the same problem as Capcom. Whenever anyone who's not known for multiplayer online shooters tries to do one, it, it always yeah every time. Unfortunately, those are gold dust. Unfortunately, I'm not convinced. Uh, Remedy are a big enough company to absorb the blow, though. 
Oh that, no, I don't think Cap, so. See, Capcom are. Capcom have been able to absorb two fail three. Three failed multiplayers in the last sort of ten years. Because yeah. Umbrella Core was garbage. Project Resistance was garbage. And um Resident Evil Reverse, which was so embarrassingly bad that they kind of snuck it out without anyone knowing they'd released it. Yeah. I'm, I've just looked through a whole list of what's potentially due to release this year, Nothing. whether it's got a, a, a set launch date or not. Nothing grabbing you? Absolutely nothing what about, what is about grabbing them, uh, What about them new Sega games that are coming? Well, that none of those, I don't think, have been uh, suggested for, for this year. year. Oh, really? Uh, let me have a look. Sega. Oh. The fact they showed them at the Game Awards would suggest they're coming out this year. Mm, I don't think so. Let me have a look. What to expect from Sega in 2024? So the Jet Set Radio, new Jet Set Radio game won't be 2024. They've announced that much. There's a bunch of Atlas games. The Sonic Dream Team will have post-launch content, but I honestly don't really know. Sonic Dream Team? I've not heard of it before. I think it must be a new game coming out. Again, they're looking to re-release or bring back franchises such as Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Shinobi, etc. But none of them have a set launch date. So, yeah, there's nothing I can say for sure. In 2024, I'm actually looking forward to in the game space. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Dream Team is a platformer game developed by Hardlight, published by Sega, uh, released December 5th, 2023 for iOS, Mac, and Apple Arcade. It's an Apple exclusive game. Uh, uh, who could possibly want that? Yep, nope. Anything that's Mac specifically can go suck a dick. I've got no interest whatsoever. Um, so it takes place in Eggman's Dreams. Eggman's Dreams? Six playable characters. Sonic, Amy, Rose, Tails, Cream, Knuckles, and Rouge. Okay, so let's have a look at what's upcoming uh, in terms of the video game movie adaptations. There's Borderlands in August. There's Castlevania Nocturne get, should be getting another season. Mm. There's a new Devil May Cry film or series, I think series, sorry, coming out this year. Dragon's Lair might be getting a release, but it's the one that's had Ryan Reynolds attached for three years and hasn't gone anywhere. Right. Fallout series comes out in April. Free Guy 2 is apparently on somebody's radar, but whether or not that's being made for reals or not, I don't know. Apparently there's a sequel to the Gran Turismo movie, which I don't understand how there can be, since the Gran Turismo movie is based on the Gran Turismo TV show, which is... Was, it was a reality TV show. Yeah. Um, unless there was more seasons to that than I'm aware of. So the Halo series is getting a second season on the 8th of Feb. Oh, <laughs> that Halo series. We've got to just talk about that for a minute. Yeah. I've seen all the um, interviews with, is it Pablo Schreiber plays Master Chief? Yeah. Where he's talking about how the reason Master Chief doesn't have his helmet on hardly is because, you know, it's too hard to emote as an actor or something like that. Yeah. I don't want to be mean here, but then I've seen several... The dude ain't fucking emoting anyway. It's such a wooden <laughs> performance. He's not the main problem with Halo, to be fair. Um, no. But, I mean, that's something we can talk about when we get to review it. Um, <laughs> oh. You lucky boy. Uh, there's a, been a, an announcement of a potential Last Starfighter 2. Oh, God. Because that, that's, that's, you know, on the money. That's very now. Mortal Kombat 2 might come out this year. That's the one that's going to be a sequel to the new Hollywood reboot series. Mm-hmm. With um, Carl Urban in Yep, it. as Johnny Cage. That's an interesting casting choice, to be fair. Mm. Uh, there's Mortal Kombat Legends Fall of Edinia. There's possibly a second season to Nier Automata. 
Return to Silent Hill is coming out this year. Yeah, um, that's probably mine then. I put Sonic Prime, but that's now just had its third season come out and it's now finished. So, and then there's Tomb Raider: The Legend of Lara Croft, which is a TV series from Netflix, animated uh, or live animated, action. I believe. Um, there is apparently a live action movie being made, but they've been talking about that second Tomb Raider live action movie for years, yeah. uh, and it's never gone anywhere. So I don't really believe that one's coming out. So for myself, Sonic Three, obviously as well. Mm. Sonic Three is definitely one of the ones I'm more interested in. But to suggest something else that we haven't talked about. I'll be honest, it's relatively slim pickings for me, because I'm not really a fan of Borderlands, just because I never really played much of it, and the second one, which I did play a bit of, didn't interest me. Mm. Devil May Cry, I don't give a shit about as a series. Fallout, I didn't really enjoy. Halo series, I should be interested in, but the first season wasn't particularly great. Mortal Kombat 2, I'm intrigued because Carl Urban's in it, and that's it, because the first film wasn't that good, in my opinion. Fall of Adenia. Now, I love the Mortal Kombat Legends series, but unless they do something specifically great with this, the storyline of how Adenia falls has never been interesting to me. Right. Um, so that kind of nerfs that. Return to Silent Hill, I'm intrigued by. Yeah, it's the original director coming back. And I am intrigued by Tomb Raider Legend of Lara Croft. I'd be interested to see what they do with that. Um, I'll let you take Silent Hill, because I know it's much more of your baby than mine. I'll go with, you know what, I'll go Mortal Kombat 2 just to represent, but honestly, the only thing that's... Yeah, I know, but the only, only, honestly, the main thing worth watching the first one for is Kano, and he died in it. Yeah. So unless they bring him back, or Carl Urban's Johnny Cage's particularly great adaptation of that character, eh, I don't know. I don't. The main issue with the, that new Mortal Kombat movie is the guy who plays Shang Tsung. I'm afraid he's not very good at it. No, you've said he's um, the weedy guy from Dark Knight. Yeah, and he's st- he basically plays Shang Tsung as the weedy guy from Dark Knight, oh. <laughs> which is not a good look for Shang Tsung. No. Um. Yeah. So odd casting choice. Yeah. So Sonic Three, but where we've already discussed that, I'm going to go with Mortal Kombat Two. You're going to go Return to Silent Hill. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got a side interest in that new Tomb Raider series. Okay, well, thank you everyone for having written in. Um, we really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun answering your questions. Yeah. Um, even you, Ball Boy 17 And if you'd like to write in and ask us anything further, please do to info.impalafilms at gmail.com. Uh, we love getting your guys' questions, and if we get enough, we'll do a second Ask Us Anything episode. If we upset Ball Boy... Does he become a ball boy soul? Please like, share and subscribe. <laughs> uh, share the podcast with your friends, etc, etc. Um, feel free to let us know if there's any particular adaptations you'd like us to cover. And we will see you next time. Yes. For another great episode of VGMP. Much love. Mamakas. Cyberpunk Studios.